Summer 1989 in Portland, Oregon. I was starting high school that fall. My favorite meal was two slices of cheese pizza at Escape from New York Pizza for $2 total. My favorite albums going into that summer were probably Van Halen's OU812, Def Leppard's Hysteria, and Bon Jovi's New Jersey. I spent a lot of time that summer hanging out at my friend Eli's house. Eli had an older brother, maybe a high school upperclassman or community college student, I don't even remember his name, who listened to cool music and we would raid his brother's CD collection. We listened to dozens of albums over the course of that summer, but I only really remember two of them. The Stone Roses' self-titled debut and De La Soul's Three Feet High and Rising. The rap music we listened to up to that point was either very 80s, Run DMC's Raising Hell, Bust a Move, or early gangsta, Straight Outta Compton, Easy Does It. Nothing wrong with that. De La Soul was completely different. They were three guys from Long Island. Their songs were funny. They sampled jazz and soul records. They were still way cooler than us, of course, but they seemed like nerds. I still remember Eli and I laughing our asses off at A Little Bit of Soap, which is literally just a one-minute song about a guy who needs a bath. Even though Three Feet High was a hit and eventually went platinum, the music industry was not kind to De La Soul. They're universally beloved by their peers, but as rap coalesced around a gangsta consensus, they spent a lot of time and many excellent records saying, hey, we're excellent at what we do, but we're not gangsters or pretend gangsters. Isn't there room for us, too? Today on Hidden Jukebox, let's celebrate the re-release of De La's long out-of-print early albums and the life of Dave, a.k.a. Plug 2, a.k.a. Trugoy the Dove, by talking about the title track of De La's best 90s album, Stakes is High. Well, we're going off script a little bit here oh, are because we? one of our unsaid rules is that we're supposed to be yeah, doing songs true. and albums that were platinum or at least big hits. And I can hardly say that the track Stakes is High was a huge hit, nor can anybody else. No, but I mean, it was it was probably their biggest hit of the 90s which i mean so this this is a band who like had one you know hit album in 1989 and have been kind of you know critic critic and and peer darlings ever since yeah and yet for any group to be around for what what is it 24 years have all the same members the entire time uh remain relevant the entire time yeah uh, and as you say, respect from their peers, you try to find anybody in the hip hop industry and probably otherwise and say the name De La Soul and get a negative comment from any of them. It's impossible. Right. Um, and like they've been they've been like making the round. So so uh, uh, Dave, one of their two MCs, died earlier this year. Um, and uh, just as the reason the reason I wanted to do this like this is this is a, a Matthew driven episode is because. This album and so their first four albums, including Three Feet High is Rising and this one, have been out of print and like not available on streaming for a decade or more. And it was partly because of like, you know, label conflicts and partly sampling rights, but they are all back now and you can listen to them. And so like, you know, you can't in this day and age say like, you know, you tell people you, you got to listen to this album that isn't on Spotify, but now they are. So I can go around and tell everyone you've got to listen to these early De La Soul albums. They're amazing. And, and admittedly, these were not the albums that I listened to when I was a teenager. Sure. I, I got into the gangster rap thing. Oh, yeah, in, no, in I love that 90s. too. Yeah. Oh, I'm not saying that it's that you're in one camp or the other right. camp at all. I just remember being at my schoolmate's house in seventh grade and somehow he had convinced 
his parents to let him get doggy style. And <laughs> I had already heard we talked about this on the doggy style. Yes, episode. I, I had already heard tracks from the Chronic and then doggy style, and I'm like. Oh man, this shit is not written for me, and it is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the best. But now I go. I've I've been on a binge of De La Soul since they re-released this stuff, and it's very different from pretty much everything that was going on in hip hop at that time. Right, and so that's kind of like one of the points I want to make is that like you know the the press always wants to set everything up as as like a, a beef, and like there was like a little bit of beefery in the sense that like. Uh, um, Tupac did a a diss track of De La, uh, De La Soul that was released after Tupac died, um, and uh, which which seems kind of ridiculous that anyone would would do a, a De La diss track. I know. So so the press made it out to be like you know that that uh, sort of sort of that De, De La was like. Pulling like you know a, a like a kind of Bill Cosby like you know like oh you kids with your saggy pants like kind of thing and really that was not what they were about at all. Although, it was really more yeah. What is this song about? <laughs> so it's not right. So so it, it's not that they were not criticizing gangster rap. They were, but I think it was you know it in retrospect it feels to me like more more of a place of like hey like could you know. Like, like I said in the intro, like just, just like you know, can we have like room for multiple genres under this umbrella? Yeah, um, and and I think we could, and I don't think that they were going to piss anybody off in like the gangster rap community or otherwise by doing this diss track of gangster. I mean, rap. but I think they did a little bit just because, like, you know, people people had thin skins and and just like you know, it was a way to stay relevant. Well, true goy. Yogurt spelled backwards. There's a whole story about that that I won't tell today. Uh, verse two from this from this track. Okay. I'm sick of bitches shaking asses. I'm sick of talking about blunts. Sick of Versace glasses. Sick of slang. Sick of half ass award shows. Sick of name brand clothes. Sick of R and B bitches over bullshit tracks. Cocaine and crack, which brings sickness to blacks. Sick of swolf heads rappers with their sick and raps. Clappers of gats making the whole sick world collapse. The facts are getting sicker, even sicker, perhaps slicker, perhaps <laughs> a stick of bush to make a bundle to escape the synapse. I don't know what that last line means, but it's <laughs> but it's great. But but the rest of it, like like he he is dissing what the hip hop culture was kind of yeah making right. everything about those days, and and he's doing it really well. Like like he's did he watch the video for this song? Yes. Yeah, it's great. It's like it's like them doing laundry. Like no, we're not all gun carrying ass slapping like right like we we do laundry we we hang out with our moms like we're not we're not all gangsters right so i think i think that's that's a good way of putting it like you know i think if you ask you know they're going around doing interviews now so probably someone has asked asked this like uh you know if you ask the members of, of de la soul like you know do you hate you know biggie do you hate tupac do you hate nas like like no of course not um you know it's more saying like you know this is this is us this is what we're about and this is what we're not about and and to that point about them, they created this kind kind of their own culture. Like you listen back to their albums, and we've talked a lot on this show about groups who make albums that are made to listen to start to finish. Yes, they were 
great at conceptualizing. They had their own style of clothing that they wore. Like when everybody else was wearing jeans or all black or, you know, Run DMC and in Adidas, they yeah. were wearing kind of this colorful clothing. Like they got labeled as the hippies of the hip hop community, which they didn't really see and didn't really appreciate that. But you listen back to it and they kind of were lovey dovey. Like, Oh yeah. No, if you look at the cover of, of uh, three feet high and rising, like these guys are adorable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like you, you want to give all of them hugs. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and, and so they, they knew what they were about and they were creating this, this kind of thing that was their own identity. And I have so much respect for it because I think that, most groups as they get bigger try to uh strike while the iron's hot like try and make that next hit and they never seem to really be about that they were just like we want to do our thing and if people listen to it great and if people don't listen to it we're going to keep doing our thing anyway yeah i think um i remember when this album came out that it got a uh, like a lukewarm review from rolling stone that basically said these these guys are trying to be hard and they're not that's not really how it how it sounds to me listening back at all no they their first this was a departure for them because the first three albums were all produced by prince paul one of the greatest hip-hop producers of all time and then they produced this album themselves and so it's going to sound different but i don't think that they were doing it to try and be harder edged or anything did prince paul release a solo album called a prince among thieves i think i think he did i know he did a lot of work with dan the automator um were they were they um, handsome boy modeling school? They were right? handsome boy okay. modeling school. Couple great albums. Great yes, albums, yes. yes. <laughs> he did release an album called The Prince Among Thieves. Has Has anyone noted that '90s hip hop was pretty good? <laughs> <laughs> I, I miss. <laughs> I, I, I missed that one. Now I'm catching up, and I'm I'm pretty impressed so far. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> um. So. Uh, one after years of of like them not having a big hit uh the 2000s come around and because probably because they've got so much respect from everybody in the community I, i'm i'm assuming this they get a call from damon alburn uh for the gorilla's second album yes and say do you want to write a track with me and that track was Feel Good, Inc. Yep. And all of a sudden, De La Soul went from irrelevant to relevant all over Yeah, again. so if you're if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm not sure if I've heard a De La Soul track, uh, you know, or you've heard, uh, you know, the MCs from De, from De La Soul. Well, uh, True Guy is uh, the the main MC on the song Feel Good, Inc. So if you remember uh, lining him up like ass cracks, that's him. Yep. And they, the surviving members... Uh, Pasta noose. I'm saying that right, right? <laughs> That's correct. Um, and fuck, who's the oh, DJ? Oh, uh, uh, pacemaster, pacemaster, mace. M- M- yeah, Maceo. Yeah. Uh, both both came out with gorillas these uh, this last weekend at Coachella and performed the song with them. And pasta noose sounded fantastic on it. Yeah. Um, they also recently came out on the Tonight Show with the Roots and did this song "Stakes as High," and they were trading uh, verses with Black Thought from 
from uh, the roots, the roots yeah. and it was so incredible. good uh great yeah great like call and response with the audience it's just a really good performance we'll we'll link to it in the show notes yeah um uh, so getting back to this track specifically and the production they mostly produced this album on their own but this track was produ- produced by a young producer who at the time went by JD yep. and was later known as Jay Dilla. Yeah. Who, if you don't know who Jay Dilla is, I need you to go back and listen to every single track he has ever produced <laughs> because I don't think that there's a bad one. He was absolutely brilliant. He died way too young yep. at, I think, 32 years old yeah. in the mid-2000s. And he had a way of taking jazz tracks and old funk tracks, like like doing the same thing that other producers were doing, but making everything sound like it was his own, not yes. like here's a sample of something, here's three samples of something, just like creating in such an amazing way. And you listen to to this song, and it, you can hear it. It is yeah. so well produced. It sounds so good. It like you know, listening to like a like a Jay Dilla track is like an immersive experience. It feels like you know things you know things are going on all around you, and they just all work harmoniously together. That that's a very good way of putting it. And I don't know if it was his idea, but this track is written in a different type of interesting beat pattern yeah i knew it sounded like that like it was an interesting flow like tell me more about it so pretty much universally in hip-hop unless somebody is just trying to be bizarre everything is done in four bar patterns yeah so so you get verses that are usually four to eight lines long and each line goes over four bars this is written over three bar patterns so it's it feels like everything is not lining up. Yeah. Uh, any musician who's ever tried to write over that, and we're not talking about three, four beat, like dot, 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 dot. Right. We're talking about four beats per bar, but three bars. It is really weird. And you listen right. to it and you're like, at first, like it feels disjointed and like you're not sure what's going on. But as you get a feel for it, it's like, wow, this is really interesting and really different. And uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of fun lines in this song. Like there's there's a lot of good rapping. Like so, so pause to news, which I think may be one of the worst rap monikers ever. Like <laughs> it's it's sound sop spelled backwards. Yes. Yeah. Again, I've heard, I've heard it explained, but the story wasn't very interesting. But it's, it's one of those things like once you've named your band or yourself or whatever something and you become famous, there's no going back after that. Yeah. And he's got this, he's got this like, uh, got a vocal, vocal tick. Like that sounds negative. Like, like, you know, that like a, uh, signature of, of his flow is like, he will, uh, he sounds like a little surprised at how cool he is. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know, um, that's a good and, way and, of putting it, and it, it comes out as like, you know, he'll, he'll like go up to like kind of a high note and like fall from there. So like, so in this song, for, for example, uh, you know, he says every word I say should be a hip hop quotable. And, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's very, I find it very charming and I just love listening to him. Yeah. You, you know, who reminds me of him is Del the funky homo sapien. That, yep. That's and, true. And certainly Dell has his own style. Like, you know, it's him when you hear him, but I feel like he took a lot from this. Yeah. And, and De La Soul in general was part of a 
hip hop collective from New York called Native Tongues. Yes. Which which included groups like Tribe Called Quest, Jungle Brothers, and, and Jungle Brothers, yeah. and then Jay Dilla later on. Um, and and they would often work together. Like Q Tip is on this album, um, and they all had kind of that same feel to what they were doing. And it was they were outside of the gangster rap thing. They were out of, outside of the East Coast West Coast thing. Even though they were East Coast, they were just trying to do their own thing. Yeah. Um. So oh, you put on they, they were like nineteen or twenty when they released their first album. Yeah, I think one That's of them was, was twenty, and two of them were nineteen, which is why it's so tragic that dave died this year is he was only 54 yeah like for no, a band sucks. to be around for 24 years 34 years boy did i get that wrong yeah 34 holy, years holy yeah. shit and uh and still only be in their mid 50s is incredible like they should have had another you know 20 30 years on this career if they were going to keep going yeah so i think this this album is very much worth listening through from from start to finish like like you said all of their albums like you know there is there is like some like connective tissue across them but each one really stands alone and and uh, you know kind of tells a story from start to finish sonically i would say yeah um i i was going to say out of the four first albums they started doing this conceptual thing in the 2000s where they were going to do three albums in a row that linked to each other i think they did two of they did two, two of, them, of the yeah. three but out of those first four albums stakes is high being the fourth i think that balloon mind state is probably my favorite of the oh four yeah of them. Like, it's good like if you were going to pick one to listen to all the way through i would say that album is really them hitting their stride yes and then in uh 2004 they did an album called the grind date which is fantastic so like they're for their for their last couple of albums um i think did they just do like that that one in 2004 and then their 2016 like self-released album yeah i think that's right and so they did a lot more uh like uh, had a lot more guests on those albums and i know i've talked about this before but i think the song the song rock cocaine flow on uh on the grind date with uh mf2 we, we talked def- about it a couple episodes ago i i know but it's just one of my favorite songs ever it's just it's just so great <laughs> yeah they did the grind date in 2004 uh they did kind of an offshoot where where it was just the two MCs uh, called First Serve in 2012 and then they did a full album in 2016 and The Anonymous Nobody which is also pretty good yeah Um, but you know out of everything they've won one Grammy and it was for Feel Good Inc yeah that makes sense yep De La Soul De La Soul uh, yeah, so that so that's really my point. It's like you know, this I think this song is really good, but but uh, it's not. We're not really you know. We're mostly talking about how like go back and revisit the De La Soul discography now that you can. Yeah, I, I'm just going through the, the list because by the time you hit 2016 and everybody in the world of music knows who they are, uh, some of the guests. Yeah, let's hear it on on and the anonymous nobody, uh, Jill Scott, Snoop Dogg, uh, Pete Rock. Justin Hawkins. That's from from the darkness. That's what right? I thought. That's where I was going to go. Uh, David Byrne, Usher, Little Dragon, Two Chains, and Damon Oliver. Awesome, insane. Yeah, like like not not just insane. That many famous people want to work with them, but just the variety of, of type of musician that like David Byrne is on there, followed by a track with Usher. What? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hope I hope they. 
I, I hope they felt like proud and like you know satisfied with the with the level of respect that they earned over the course of their career. There is a thirty minute interview on YouTube that that is from twenty eighteen with all three of them uh, with Apple Music where they they talk a lot about the past and about the future and they talk about getting their music out there and they were getting closer at that point. And I think their biggest point of pride was the albums that they put out and, and the body of work that they put out and getting it back out there into the world. Like, I think this year has been like such a triumph and a tragedy for them at the same time. So I think that they are extremely deserving of of accolades and of of everybody going back and listening to them more. Yeah. All right. So uh, aside from aside from digging into the Daylight catalog, uh, what are you listening to? Props to Spotify for giving me suggestions, which I normally don't ever listen to. Okay. Um, I found this band uh, called Flip Turn, and they're album that just came out is called shadow glow and they're like a cross between local natives who if i've never mentioned is one of my favorite contemporary Mm -hmm. bands beach house and a little bit cold war kids and i'm really enjoying this album like i highly recommend giving it a listen because you hear one track and it's like okay so they're kind of doing a beach house thing and then the next track is completely different okay yeah Yeah, i I haven't heard of them at all and i would like to check this out what about you um okay so first off uh uh, my band early to the airport our ep will be out by the time you hear this it's coming out april 25th um and so it the ep is called departures it's on everything please go listen to it i'm gonna i'm just gonna like chuck a track from it at the end of this uh episode because i can you self-serving son of a bitch yes um, yeah, if you if you have new music, we can put it on the we can put sure, it on the episode. Sure, why not? Um, couple couple others. I was su- completely like surprised out of nowhere. Just showed up on my on my Spotify release radar. Uh, one of my favorite, completely unknown artists, Frank Bango, uh, has a new LP. It's his first one in eleven years. Uh, and I will go to the mat for this guy. He is one of the greatest living and definitely most underappreciated songwriters in like the you know. Uh, Elvis Costello, Burt Bacharach kind of tradition. Um, and uh, which, yes, I know you're, you're making a face like that's not the kind of stuff that Matthew usually listens to. And it's not. But I, I'm more thinking like, oh, I, I don't think this is a glowing enough review for me to go check it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, his new record, like first listen, I was like, this isn't one of his best, but I've listened to it a bunch of times now and it's really growing on me. It's got a couple of classic Frank Bango bangers and it's just so nice to have him back. Can't you just say Frank bangers? Frank like, bangers, like, yeah. Isn't Bango bangers redundant? Yeah. So like, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. This is, this is twee stuff and he's so good at it. I I personally absolutely love Elvis Costello. So if yeah. somebody if somebody's mentioned who is somewhat similar to him, I'll check it out. Yeah, check it out. And uh, one one more quick one: uh, Nicole Yoon uh, from the band uh, from a band uh, has a new solo album called Matter, um, which is like great, like just really high energy indie rock. And the single Lost Keys is really good. Eternal Summers. She's from the Eternal Summers. So Nicole Yoon, Matter, Frank Bango, uh, The Truth Fox, and uh, and my EP Departures by Early to the Airport. And I just want to mention that I'm really excited because I'm going to see Goose tonight and tomorrow night. Nice. And 
you know how much I nerd out on them. Yeah, so. I know. I know you love geese. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Not geese. <laughs> Goose. Don't. Don't get them crossed. Uh, all right. Find us at facebook.com slash hidden jukebox, Instagram uh, at uh, jukebox hidden, uh, hiddenjukebox.com. has got all the stuff we talked about on the show. Anything else? No, I don't think so. I, I'm uh, I'm pretty good. How are you? I- <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, I'm Jake Amster. And I'm Matthew Amster Burton. So why not risk it all?